Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and, and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. God is good. And all the time? Mm, we can't forget that. Can't forget that. About a year ago, I um, decided to enter a race. It was probably the first race that I entered uh, uh, post-childhood. Um, you know, after, uh, after the age of uh, 40, um, I decided to live dangerously, live on the wild side, and try a run. Use it as a goal, you know, try to get in better shape. And so uh, I decided to enter the Carlsbad 5000. I think it's actually next month in April. I think it was about a year ago that I ran this. And uh, there's, there's a good and a bad side to it. The good side is that it's a flat course. No hills, completely flat. Most of it's run on the coast in Carlsbad, Pacific Coast Highway, down to the little town there. Um, the downside is, is that it's uh, one of the fastest courses known. And I think they actually advertise it as like the fastest 5K in the world or something like that. And so, um, so that means I'd have to run a little faster if I want to win this thing. So um, I was getting lots of counsel from people who had done a lot of running, and they said, now, John, the most important thing, the most important thing is to pace yourself. The adrenaline will be pumping. You'll be wanting to run faster than you're used to running. And if you're not careful, you'll blow up. You won't make it. Or you'll just, like, end up walking the end of the race. So I began to run, got myself some shoes. You know, I, in, when I was in high school and so forth, I was more of a sprinter than a long-distance runner. So it was kind of a challenge for me. So I began, you know, work on, uh, you know, one mile <laughs> and then two miles and then three miles and try to do a little bit more than that so I could do more than the course, you know, build up some endurance. And um, so the day came along, and it was that day, and it was a beautiful morning. And I went out. They called my division, which is basically the old guys. And uh, we went out, hundreds of us, hundreds of us. You know, I wasn't at the starting line. Um, I figured I'd give them a little head start, you know, so I could get in there. But I was back, you know, several people, enough so that when they shoot the gun to start the race, you stand there for several seconds, maybe 30 seconds. You're still waiting for the crowd to move. And you're thinking, all those people are getting ahead of me. You know, how's this going to work? So you start going, and you start walking, and then you start running, and then pretty soon you start going. And, and the whole time I'm running, I'm thinking, don't blow up. Don't let your adrenaline get to you. Just keep pace, you know, keep going. And I'm looking, and I'm noticing the, you know, the, the distance markers, and I'm going, man, I'm going a lot faster than I'm used to going. This is not good. I gotta, but I don't want this guy to pass me, you know? So especially when they're older than you, that's when it's really hard, you know, because you're like, wait a minute. He looks a lot older than me, and uh, do I look that old? You know, and then you start, you keep going, you keep going. Well, there were certain distractions that came along in the race that I had to get through. 
One of them, uh, and I, unfortunately I still remember this, this picture, uh, one of them was a, a man that was older than me, and he was very, wearing very short shorts that were very inappropriate, I felt. Um, and he had very hairy legs. And, and he was right in front of me. And, you know, I'm in this crowd, and I'm like, oh, no, you know. And I started praying. I said, Lord, help me, help me get out of this. And so I, I kind of shifted. You know, I kind of started running diagonally to try to get, get him out of my picture. Um, but you can tell I'm still scarred by the fact. But I just kept, kept trying to go. I'm not going to let it, you know, stay on pace. So I'm going along. And then uh, there's a part in the course where the course makes a big U-turn on Pacific Coast Highway. And I wasn't anywhere close to the turnaround point, And I was seeing people already going the other direction. And I thought, this isn't good. That's, it's going to take a long time. And in the end of the story, I end up passing everybody. I get to the front. I win the race. But just bear with me. I go along. And uh, I see them. And I get distracted. And I go, this, is, this isn't good. So I'm going along. I'm in the last mile. And then a woman comes along. And this was a men's division, I thought. I said, what's she doing here? And she comes along. And... She was, wearing, um, she was wearing these shorts that had a statement on the back of them. And, and so I'm running, and I look, and there right in front of me it says this, snail's pace. <laughs> I'm like, you know, she must not know Jesus, because that's not very nice to do to a bunch of guys. But I'm, I'm walking along, and I, and I, snail's pace. So now... I'm being passed by older people. I have a girl passing me that's telling me I'm running slower than a snail now. And so I continue to go, but I'm thinking, what's my vision? My vision is to finish this, and my kids and my wife are at the finish line. And, you know, my kids, you know, a year ago still thought that I did everything right. You know, still thought that superhuman strength, you know, all that. So as long as I finish strong and I'm sprinting well, you know, maybe they'll, they'll think that I won. So... Um, <laughs> You know, so I did the whole, you know, going across the tape thing, you know, and getting all that. And, and they were cheering, you did it, Dad. It was great. But it was challenging. I had to deal with those distractions in that, in that race. Um, I haven't done another one since, but um, it was an experience. But our writer today in the book of Hebrews, in the scripture that was read by Alana, reminds us that we are in a race. And one of the things that we have to remember is that this life, especially in the life with God and the kingdom of God, is more about vision than visibility. It's more about what we oftentimes don't see than what we see. And as we run in this race of life that God has called us to, we're going to be challenged to believe more of what we see than maybe what we don't see. And yet God calls us to have faith. And as we run this race of life, our faith is going to be challenged. We're going to be tried. Our faith is going to be challenged by the things people say about us, by maybe our jobs, by maybe the relationships at home, health, whatever it is. We're going to be challenged to say, do we still trust God? Do we still believe that he's good all the time? See, when we say that, when we say God is good and you say all the time and I say all the time, you say God is good, we're saying vision over visibility. In spite of maybe things not going well right now, God is still good. I believe it, that he is love all the time. So the writer writes, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. 
And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. We're in a race. And the writer tells us there's a couple of things that will really encourage us and strengthen us in this race of faith that we're in, and not to lose hope, not to grow weary. He says, first of all, that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, that word cloud means like a crowd. We're sur- he just went in in chapter 11 and talked about all these great people of faith. He talked about Moses. He talked about Abraham. He talked about Gideon and David and Samuel. And and there's a whole slew of them in there. And he says, when you go back and you listen to the stories of these people and how in spite of circumstances and in spite of not being perfect and having issues themselves, they kept trusting God. There were periods of doubt, periods of failure, but they kept moving and, and they trusted that God would come through. Remember them. Listen to them. Because they're cheering us on. That's why it's important for us to to open this Bible and to read it and to consider it and to contemplate the things in Scripture. It's important for us to hear the stories because we're reminded that God really is good all the time. And even though I can't see his activity right now maybe in my life, I need to keep believing in the vision that the kingdom of God reigns in this world and reigns in my life and keep trusting where he's leading That's why it's important for us to gather together as a church. That's why one of the things I love about Cala Mesa is that we are multi-generational. I love that we are old and young and all the in-betweeners because it's important for us to confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ together. It's important for the young people to hear the old people's stories and vice versa. When I first became a senior pastor in Escondido, I had started what was called a summer student internship program years before that. But in the summer, as I was turning it over to a youth pastor we didn't have yet, I was kind of still running some things. And so one of the things I would do is I would take some of the students on uh, visits with me. Um, These were high school and college age students. And I remember going on one visit. We were going to visit this one lady. She was was single. Her husband had passed away. And she was one of these ladies that, that everybody just kind of, I mean, she just had it together. You know, I mean, she was just class. I mean, she just, the way she dressed was just class, the way she carried herself. And I remember going into to the home, and, um, and she loved music. And she had a big old organ in her house. And she loved the organ. I remember walking in, and this student said, whoa, she's got her own organ. That's, that's amazing. We walked in there, and we sat down, and I was just asking her questions about her journey with Jesus. You know, how did you meet Jesus? And, you know, all of those questions. And I remember she said this. She goes, well, it was probably when I was still struggling with cigarettes. What? You? And this, this 19-year-old just like, he looked at me. Like, Did she say cigarettes? I was like, yeah. Tell us more. Nobody. I'd been in that church for 11 years after that point. Nobody in that church knew she ever struggled with smoking. I said, you need to tell your story. You need to tell your church. You need to share your testimony of what God has done in your life. Oh, me? Oh, no, no. Yes. She got up in front of the church. Pastor John just asked me to share this. I don't know why. And she started, and people's like, 
And then there were people who went up to her who started sharing some of the things they struggled with and started hearing her story, how she battled, didn't it? You know, it wasn't one of those things where I prayed and God took it away. It was a day-to-day experience, and, and gradually she was able to be set free from that. But then young people began to look at her and go, wow, she had issues? Wow, she struggled with that? I would have never guessed that. And that encouraged them. You see the cheering in the crowd of saying, trust God. Trust God. No matter what you're going through, there's people who have been through those issues. Trust God. Young, old, we all have problems. Amen? Yes? And God is there for us. And we need to encourage people that God is there for you. He's there for me. And cheer each other on. And so in the context of this race, the writer is saying, it's kind of like in the sporting events back in the days of Rome and with Greece. You know, there in Olympia, where the first Olympics were held, the arena there could seat about 45,000 people. And the writer's saying it's kind of like that event. When you're in the race, listen to the crowd. And they're not just spectators, they're witnesses. They're people who have run the race. And they're saying, you can do it. You can do it. Keep trusting God. You can do it. Keep trusting God. Vision over visibility. I know what you see right now is discouraging, but don't get locked on what you're seeing. Keep believing the vision that God is there. And God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. In the context of that cheering crowd of witnesses, the writer says, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. The writer's telling us, you know, there's a couple of things that can really bog you down in this race. And there are some things that we wouldn't call a sin, In fact, they may be very good things, but they're extra weight. It's stuff that's just bogging you down. It's stuff that kind of clutters up your your ability to just trust in God. You know, sometimes less is more. In the United States, it's kind of hard to believe because the United States, sometimes more is more. We need to consume as much as we can get, right? The one with the most toys at the end, what? Wins, right? But less is more, especially in the spiritual journey. When the runner is getting ready to run, they might have a sweatsuit on that's helping the muscles warm up, helping them be limber. But when it's time to run that race, it's time to take that thing off. It's a good thing, but it's going to slow you down when you're running the race. There are lots of good things in our lives that maybe just need to let go because maybe they're just taking up more time than we need to give them, just keeping us a little too busy. I have to confess, you know, pastors are not immune to this. In fact, there's many things that pastors can keep our lives busy with, the the things of God, the work of God. And if we're not careful, they begin to squeeze out the God of the work in our time with him. So sometimes, what what are we going to do? Less is more. And then the word for sin here is actually a combination of three words. It's actually the sin that so easily is so easily around you and distracts. So it may not be a sin that I'm actively involved in, but there's a lot of things around us that that are close to us that are distracting us. I love the term, watch out for weapons of mass distraction. We live in a society that's full of weapons of mass distraction. Now recently I started practicing a spiritual discipline on my iPhone. Some of you I know are going right, you know. There's actually an app for this, right? 
I, uh, I have to confess, you know, I have lots of apps on my iPhone, and um, uh, because you kind of get addicted, you know, they're free, a lot of them. Like, oh, your friend says, have you tried that one? No, let me download that. You know, there you go. And so after about five pages of applications, you know, you're kind of like, well. But one of the, one of the things there is that the iPhone is there to serve me, right? I'm to be its master. That's the theory. <laughs> you're laughing because you can relate. I know. This is confession. And so it's to help you to be productive and have more time. So in one unit, you know, you've got your phone, you've got your email, you've got your texting, you've got your calendar, you've got whatever else you got on there. Well, you know, one of the things I had on the front page was my email. And so it begins to be a very easy thing to do when you turn it on. It's like, oh, email, you know, there you go. So before you know it, every time you're turning on your phone, you're checking email. Now, that could be a very productive thing, but it can also be a very time-consuming thing. And it doesn't need to be checked, you know, every three minutes, right? I mean, every four minutes would be better, right? So, so the spiritual discipline I practiced a couple of weeks ago is I decided to move my email button all the way to the last page of my applications. So it would just be harder. I'd have to actually go, dun, 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 you know, and then do that. So I'm getting a cramp in my thumb when I, you know, do it. But, but, you know, I know it sounds almost ridiculous, but something like that just kind of helps clear up the clutter a little bit. You know, it just kind of helps you stay on track. It just kind of helps you from just letting things that, that may be good, but they're distracting from just having less clutter in your head and being focused on what God is up to in my life. When we do that, it says, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. I love, years ago, I heard, as I'm sure you have, probably Tony Campolo speak, and he was talking about Isaiah 40. You know that wonderful passage, those that wait upon the Lord will rise up with wings like eagle. They will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. As I'm getting older, and I'm sure some of you can relate to this, you know, we always think about the glorious strength of soaring with God. But then as Tony Campolo said, you know, and then you get older, and then, and then you're, you're not on the sky, you're on the ground, you're running. You know, and as you get older, man, I just hope I keep walking. Just keep walking. The pastor says, you're flying, then you're running, but then you're walking. You just keep walking. Don't give up. We go with perseverance. Keep moving forward with God. And the writer then says this, Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The word the writer actually uses there in verse 2 where it says, looking to Jesus, actually in the original language says, look away to Jesus. Look away to Jesus. All these distractions that are around you, don't focus on them. Don't focus on those things because you won't finish the race. you got to look away to those things and focus on Jesus. I love, uh, there was an article in Outside Magazine several years ago about extreme tree skiing. It said this, tree skiing may sound like a death wish, but some skiers love the risk of skiing virgin powder lying in a stand of aspen or spruce. The key, of course, is not hitting the trees. An outside magazine writer and skier Tim Etchells lays out the challenge. Even more so than in deep snow or moguls, 
What you focus your eyes on becomes critical in the woods. Look at the spaces between the trees, the exits where you hope to be traveling. Don't stare at what you don't want to hit. This life is so tempting to stare at the things that we don't want to hit. There's so many things that come into our life, and we look at them. Sometimes they make us worry. Sometimes they give us anxiety. Sometimes they stress us out, and we keep staring at them. It's like you can't help it, you know, one of those things. And God is saying, don't stare at what you don't want to hit. You want me. Stare at me. Vision over visibility. When your faith is challenged, stare at me. Look away to me. Focus on me. Look away to Jesus. And Jesus, who showed us what it's like to start the race and to finish gloriously, he's the one who will get us to the end. The author, the pioneer, the perfecter of this whole thing, he's the one who knows how to run it. He's the one who doesn't just know how to run it. He knows how to start it, and he knows how to finish it. Look to him. He's the one who even went through the cross, the shame of the cross, and endured the cross to finish the race. Consider him, the text says, who endured such hostility against himself from sinners. So you won't grow weary or lose heart. Consider him. That word consider actually means meditate. Meditate on Jesus. My word for meditate is marinate. Marinate in Jesus. Go to the scriptures. Sit there silently when you're not checking your email every three minutes. And just sit and marinate in Jesus. Like the song that was sung earlier, look into his face. Remember that this is your father's world in which he reigns. Marinate. Consider. Think seriously about Jesus, who endured such hostility against himself so that we won't grow weary or lose heart. One of my favorite stories um, in life is a true story about a runner named Derek, who when he was younger, he had the gift of speed. Boy, could he run. He could run really fast. At the age of 19, he obliterated the British record for the 400-meter race. So people knew. He says, this boy, boy, he's got something special. This boy, he's going to set some records. He's going to go to the Olympics. He's going to really do amazing things with the 400-meter race. 1988, he'd been training for years and years. And he goes to the Olympics, and it's his race. And 10 minutes before the race starts, he tears an Achilles tendon has to withdraw 10 minutes before the race. That year, he experienced five surgeries on his Achilles and trying to heal and to get better. Four years later, after he's been training, it's 1992 in Barcelona, and he's ready to race in the semi-heat to qualify for the finals for the 400 meter. And everybody's saying, you know he's going he's gonna to qualify, he's going to make it. His dad, Jim, goes up to a seat at the very top of the stadium, up by where the torch is lit and, and up there. 65,000 people. And Derek gets down, he gets ready to race, 
The gun shoots, fires, and he's off. And he is clearly in the lead. He gets about halfway around, 175 meters left in the race, and he hears a pop in his hamstring. Now, I hope I never hear a pop in any part of my body. But you're running, you hear a pop in your hamstring. And he stops, and he's limping, and he finally falls to the ground. He falls to the ground, and he's trying to get back up. The medic's coming. He says, no, I want to finish this race. He gets back up, and he's limping. He's, he begins hopping on one leg. He gets to around 120 meters left. Little did he know, his father, and some of you may remember this, from the top of the stadium comes down, goes through, goes through security, gets on the track. Security guards are chasing him. And he runs out, and he comes next to his son. He grabs him around the waist. And he says, we're going to finish this together. And they finish the last 120 meters together. He's just hopping on one leg. And as they get to the finish line, the father lets go, lets him cross by himself, and then he goes back and he embraces his son. And he finished. We're not in this race alone. The father's with us. The, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside of us, comes next to us, and Jesus is there going, you're not alone. No matter what you're facing, no matter what's challenging your faith, no matter what's challenging you to trust in God and that he's good all the time, keep going. Keep going. Look away from the distractions and look to Jesus. Marinate in Jesus, and we will finish the race. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts Hebrews 12. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there. In the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for calling us to the race. Thank you that we're not alone in the race, but there are people all around us who can witness to the fact that you are good and you are there all the time in spite of the challenges we might face in the race, the distractions that come our way. Lord, give us the grace to look away and to focus on you, to marinate in you so that we will not grow weary or lose heart in this race. Thank you, Lord, that by your grace, not only will we make it, but we will finish and finish gloriously in your presence for eternity. Take a moment now just in silent prayer to listen to God and maybe just to speak to him about what he might be impressing you with today in the race he's called you to. As we run this race together, I pray that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he's called us, the riches of his, of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen.